from Cowork 591 Studios. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and this is the Jessup News for January 30th, 2023. On today's podcast, we talk about adopting a dog, and we look at the book and the movie, Marley and Me. We look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We look at what candies belong in the Candy Hall of Fame, which is always a good discussion. And we discuss the best month of the year, which is a unique discussion. Um, We are sponsored, as usual, by Reyes Concrete Service of Littleton, Iowa. The Littleton Lounge LLC, open from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., seven days a week. Located 511 State Street out in Littleton. And also the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. The Littleton Chatham Historical Society strives to accurately document, promote, and preserve the history of the Littleton Chatham area to cultivate interest an educational understanding for future generations. And a fourth sponsor is Dream Chaser Acres, a resort for your pets as you go on vacation. So if you get a chance, please support our sponsors as they support us. We are excited uh, to be working presently on the first Littleton Free Watermelon Day, scheduled for July 29th. 2023. More information to follow. Also, we have two podcasts, two other podcasts. We have concerts from 591, um, and we will put probably put out the the second concert this coming week. We have another story show called um, Stories from River Road Boulevard on the border of Chatham and Littleton. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide an opportunity for the community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and ground. Many people have asked about last last week's artist Cameron Homa. You can find Cameron on Facebook at Mortimer Guitars. If you get a chance, go there. And Cameron is very excited. Those of you that listened to the interview last week realize the passion that Cameron has for his guitar. So please visit his Facebook page. First thing we want to talk about is... uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Blake, has your family ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Not as far as I know. It is. Uh, it has been open since the, I believe, it the early 70s. Might have been actually late 60s. A few facts about it. The oldest member or the oldest living member in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Willie Nelson. He is well into his 80s. Um, the first woman ever inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was Stevie Nicks. She was actually 
inducted twice, um, once for the group Fleetwood Mac and once as a solo artist. And the youngest member ever inducted was Stevie Wonder. Um, If you remember Stevie's first album, he was 12 or 13 years old, I believe, came out in the early 60s. And he was inducted when he was 38 years old into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The, the earliest members, or the first members inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are like a who's who of rock and roll. Many of them will come to everyone's mind, if not all of them. Chuck Berry, the, the great guitarist. Um, James Brown. Ray Charles, the great blind piano player. One of his most popular songs was George Fats Domino, was on that, that early class. Iowa has a lot to do with the early Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Everly Brothers were in that first class, and I believe the Everly Brothers were, were from down around Centerville, Iowa, that region, and when they became a, a big hit. Buddy Holly, who died in Iowa over by, over by Mason City, over by Clear Lake. Jerry Lee Lewis, who died recently. And, of course, uh, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley himself, uh, Many of those guys uh, were on Sun Records. I can remember as a young child, Blake, buying the small records, and many of those records had the Sun label on the middle of them. I wish I had them now. You know, it'd be a great collector's item. That's just a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I thought a lot about that after we had Cameron on last weekend, so I did a little research on, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and wanted to talk a little bit about that. This is Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network, and we're coming to you live, Cowork 591 Studios in beautiful downtown Jessup, Iowa. This week's library calendar. Don't forget the Little Tot Story Time every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. The January Spice, which is running out, uh, ending today, actually, is uh, cardamom. It's a spice for coffee and tea in India. Don't forget the snowman painting kit for $2 at Jessup Public Library. Make sure that you're aware of the movie every month. They had the movie this month, last Monday, and so um, we're late on that. Book Club Hollowing Out the Middle. Remember, it's about the rural brain drain, drain and what it means for America. Remember the Friends of the Jessup Public Library meeting February 2nd. That is Wednesday. The Friends of the Library are a nonprofit support organization that improves the services and resources of the library, promotes citizen involvement in the community, and hosts a fundraising event to offer program and resources for all ages. Membership forms are available in the library. They are always raising funds with the Friends of the Library, and you can get those or you can uh, help them by buying velvet coffee or buying a Polar Camel water bottle. Remember, they're always having a media sale. DVDs, audiobooks, puzzles, games, and more have been donated and are available for a free will donation. Many of them are by the door as you walk into the public library. Remember, you can check out a library of things. The JPL is more than books. We have several new items available for checking out. Craft stamps and candy molds 
to name many others. The JPL Library Endowment Fund was established to ensure the longevity of materials and resources for the community. We are growing this fund to positively impact the current and future patrons of the library. Library donations, it's easy to make a donation to JPL. Cash gives gifts give immediate support. Bequests provide future support for the library. And memorial gifts serve a special tribute for the loved one. I see that uh, librarian Becky Burke's father, Leroy Westmeyer, passed away. And he asked that uh, his a large amount of his donations go to the Jessup Public Library. So... Leroy was always thinking of, the com- of his community. Um, 1,000 books before kindergarten. Dale, Dale last week talked a lot about that and his grandchildren being involved in getting a book a month from the time they're born. So if you have a young child, make sure you get involved in that. Talk to Becky or Becky Wearspan or one of the other librarians to get involved in that. Blake, have you ever seen the movie Marley and Me? No. Surprisingly, no. It, it was out around 2010, 2011 in the theater. It, it's also a book. And in, in our uh, school, we used to have, in the, in the 90s, we had silent, sustained reading. When I, when I taught at Jessup, the janitors, the librarian, the secretaries, the principals, everybody would stop at a certain time of the day and read for 15 minutes. And so silence, sustained reading became a big deal in our school for a long time. Off and on, it would come back into our school, into, into homeroom. And one time, I read the book Marley and Me. And Marley and Me is about adopting a dog and and. I advise those of you that uh, are thinking about getting a dog to go and adopt a dog rather than to go to a store and buy one. Um, There's so many dogs out there that need adoption. I have a dog called Sadie that is adopted from from, uh, Midland, Texas. Sometimes they're they're a great challenge. And Marley, the dog Marley in this book was a great challenge. And it was a funny book. Uh, great book, actually, until you get about halfway through it, and then you begin to cry. And so I had my room set up where my desk was in the back of the students, and I each day during SSR, I had to turn my chair around so my students wouldn't see me crying because uh, the book was so sad. And when then when the movie came out, um, in the movie they had to fit 13 years in a in two hours, which is real hard. And when the movie came out, I went to the theater and I should have known better, because about halfway through the movie I started crying for the crying for that dog again. Uh, the dog was wild and full of fun. Uh, uh, Yellow Lab, just a beautiful dog, but uh, the owner hadn't done his research, and Marley had a lot of wild in him. But in the book, and in true life, Marley was outside when a neighbor was stabbed and stayed right by that neighbor till till the ambulance came. The ambulance more or less saved um, the author's wife's life as she struggled with uh, postmortem depression after her baby her first baby was born so that the dog was a wonderful dog but it was full of hell it was it was a lot of fun so if I, those of you that like us would like to read a good story it's called marley and me
Um, and, and it's a good, good movie, too. Blake, let me ask you this. What's the saddest movie that you have ever watched? Do any come to your mind? I'm trying to think. I know there has been some. I know there has. I just, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any. But I suppose one that has certain sad points. It was actually a library movie not too long ago, but I saw it online and wanted to watch it. It was uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, okay. I, I I knew they were playing at the library. I never went to it, but I saw it online. I watched it, and it was a good movie, and it did have a couple sad spots in there. But other than that, I mean, nothing particular, honestly. The, uh, you know, and I watched that movie, and, and, and I can't remember exactly what... What that movie was about. What was that about, Blake? That was um, about this girl whose family, they live out in the marsh in, I believe, Louisiana. And um, her all of her family ends up leaving. She lives out there by herself, raises herself off just selling things from the river and goes on to where a murder happens and she's blamed for it, gets proven wrong in court there's a whole lot more in there right but, right i mean that's the gist of it the the uh, i know the one you're talking about yeah that that would have to have you know a sadness as as a, as a culture like i think we have people that are grief eaters sometimes and that's no attack on anyone because i'm one of them as well i try to avoid them as much as i can um, no one finds it fun to sit and cry for an hour in a movie theater. Yeah. I made a list of movies, or some of the saddest movies that I've ever seen. And I wonder if you've seen any of these, Blake. You're, you're quite a bit younger than I am. Outside, outside the list is uh, United 93, about the, about the uh, jet that crashed in Pennsylvania on 9-11. And that... That was a really good movie, high-intensity movie, real sad at the end, obviously. And the top five for me are Schindler's List is number five about uh, the Holocaust. Number four is Marley and Me. Number three was a big hit when I was, when I was your age, maybe a little younger, Love Story, about a, man, a young man, a young woman, the, the woman develop cancer in their relationship. Number two, um, a football story, Brian's song about Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers. Brian Piccolo died of cancer. The famous fullback played for the Chicago Bears. And number one, and I used to show this in class, and now that I think about it, I feel terrible for showing it, Hotel Rwanda, um, about the, the genocide in Rwanda between the Hutus and the Tutsis. I think I do remember that from class. I don't yeah. really remember anything about it, but I think I, I remember you showing it. Yeah. Recently, most recently, was the 40th anniversary of the death of famous basketball Chris Street. And the Big Ten Network had on a documentary about his death. I cried for three-fourths of that. Um, and I had wished I wouldn't have watched it because even... Even the people that were on the documentary and were talked to, if you remember, Chris was hit by a snowplow driver as he came out of a fast food restaurant, him and his girlfriend. His girlfriend survived, but Chris was killed. And Chris was just 
coming to his own as, as one of the better basketball players from Iowa ever to play at Iowa. Again, I wish I wanted to watch it because it was, it was full of tears. Um, and I, I'm not convinced that uh, that was good for the family or for, or for the state of Iowa. Steve Brown Art Center, and we're at Cowork 591 Studios. And this is the Steve Brown Podcast Network. A little lighter subject, if we can, Blake. What is a number one choice for the Candy Hall of Fame? What would you put, what is one candy that you would put? And I I went back to my youth on this one and looked at a bunch. Let me give you a few and let me bloviate a little bit and let you think about that a little bit. All right. Um, Some of them include, obviously, Tootsie Roll and Snickers that are still very very popular orange slices chocolate covered orange slices chocolate covered peanuts taffy laffy laughing taffy tarts a wonderful candy bar that i haven't seen for years the coconut bar they call it candy cigarettes was a big deal when everybody smoked of course they got children involved by putting making candy cigarettes a big deal Chuckles. And if you're lucky, once in a great while, you can find Chuckles. The Charleston Chew is a candy bar. Lifesavers. You don't see very much anymore regular Lifesavers in, in like the Quick Stars or the Casey. Uh, you'll see the Gumby Lifesavers or the Gummy Lifesavers in uh, Walmart in there. But not the regular Lifesavers. Red Hots. Again, you don't see those anymore. The cinnamon candy. Zag nuts. Sort of a, a, a peanut roll is what it is. Pay down was a candy. Bottle caps was a candy. Pop rocks. Um, once in a great while, you'll see those. They'll, they'll come up. And Bazooka Joe chewing gum. Um, I found some of those in the store the other day. I'm... I was chewing Bazooka Joe earlier in the day. And nerds outside the list. Old-fashioned Christmas candy. can remember having a plate of that every Christmas. Sassafras. My father loves sassafras. Then rock candy. I would say the number one first ballot Hall of Fame for me candy would be the coconut bar. And most of our listeners may not remember that. Uh, by the way, um, th- thanks to Blake, I- I've been lo- looking in at our demographics and our number one listening group is about 26 to 34. I doubt if any of those have ever heard of the Coconut Bar. So Blake, to you, what's the first ballot Hall of Fame nominee for candy? Before I say too much, I'm not a huge candy person. There's a lot of things I'm picky on, and candy is one of those. If I had to just give one out there that I will always take one of, generally, any kind of milk chocolate candy bar, but specifically, Hershey's. That Uh-oh. would have to be my favorite. Just, just basic, but I love Hershey's with almonds. Another good one is the um, cookies and cream ones. Okay. Those are good, too. It's almost like someone took an Oreo and made it into a 
candy bar. Interesting. It's it's really good. So there there you go. The first induction to the Candy Hall of Fame is Blake's Hershey's Candy Bar and my Coconut Bar. So uh, there you have it. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. Each week we have the obituaries. The Steve Brown Art Center would like to thank the White's Funeral Home for providing the obituaries. For us, um, we have two this week. First, Mary Jane De- Delegadel, 87, of Jessup, Iowa, and formerly of Dunkerton, died Sunday, January 22, 2023, at Unity Point Allen Memorial Hospital in Waterloo. Her funeral was Friday, January 27, 2023, at St. Anthanasius. Burial was in St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery in Gilbertville, Iowa. Mary was born September 20th. 1935 in Waterloo, the daughter of Emil Gersh and Agatha Gersh. On November 9, 1954, she was united in marriage to Norbert Philip Delegadel in Gilbertville. Mary and Norbert farmed north of Dungerton, where they raised two sons. They moved off the farm nine years ago to Jessup, where she remained a resident until her passing. Mary was a wonderful homemaker, baker, and cook for her family. She also loved working in her garden, especially her flower gardens. Most of all, she was a wonderful and loving wife, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. Mary is survived by her loving husband of 68 years, Norbert Delegadel of Jessup, two sons, Tom of Dungerton and Bill of Dungerton, five grandchildren, Troy Delegadel, Brett Delegadel, Amy Thatcher, Jenna Beck, and Philip Delegadel, 13 great-grandchildren, Haley, Blake, Carter, Avery, Macy, Addie, Brinland, Brookley, Beckett, Jensen, Lewis, Jaden, and Brooks, a sister-in-law, Teresa Bruskern of Gilbertville, and many nieces and nephews. Mary was preceded in death by, by her parents, three brothers, Mark, August, and Joseph, Gersh and one sister, Mildred Canfield. White Funeral Home of Jessup was in charge of arrangement. Second obituary was Curtis Eugene Bate, 35 years old, of rural Jessup, Iowa, who passed away unexpectedly Sunday, January 22, 2023. Visitations were held Saturday, January 28th from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. and the funeral was Saturday the 28th at White Funeral Home. Curtis was born in Waterloo, Iowa on July 10th, 1987, the son of Kevin Douglas Bate and Bonnie Jean. He graduated from Jessup Community Schools with the class of 2005. He soon became employed at the Target Distribution Center in Cedar Falls, Iowa, where he has worked the past 15 years. Curtis was a master chef and enjoyed sharing his grilling and smoking talents by stimulating the taste buds of his family and friends. Camping, kayaking, and golfing were some of the other hobbies he most enjoyed. Curtis is survived by his daughter Madison and friend Noah Dugan of Waverly, Iowa, his mother Bonnie Duffy of Jessup, Iowa, his father Kevin of Hazleton, one brother Derek of Sumner, and his maternal grandparents, Ralph and Beverly Hill of Jessup, one niece, Annika, two nephews, Julian and Riley, and a loyal dog, Andy. Curtis was preceded in death by his paternal grandparents, Harry and Nadine Bate, 
his stepfather, Galen Duffy, and his stepmother, Carol Bate. White Funeral Home in Jessup, Iowa, was in charge of arrangements. It's sort of a, a good day, bad day, as we talk about positives and negatives. Next question I'm going to ask you, Blake, is what is your favorite ice cream truck treat? Uh, let me share some treats with you, give you a chance to think about it a little bit. Some that would pop out to me include uh, Italian ices. My, my favorite Italian ice would be raspberry, the pop-up, fudge sickles, cream sickles, cream sickles. I haven't had one of those in a long time. Klondike bars. I love the peppermint ver- version of the Klondike bars. I guess it's mint, mint ice cream is what it is. Ice cream bars, an ice cream sandwich, drumsticks. Um, the drumsticks have gotten so small anymore. They used to be rather large when I was uh, when I was a a young child. And then probably my favorite ice cream is not from an uh, from an ice cream truck. It is from local Dairy Cone other half, the famous Alaskan Shake Sunday. Oh my, this fat man likes the Alaskan Shake Sunday a lot. But from, my favorite one from the ice cream truck is probably the drumstick. So, like, what what, did, what would you order from the ice cream truck? I don't want to scare off too many of our listeners. I don't do ice cream. Oh, Blake. Never have. Just didn't like it. I have tried it. Okay. It's just, I've never liked it. It's no never kidding. never been my thing. <laughs> Have you ever had homemade ice cream? It's been made in the house, and I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it. I was talking to um, an Amish friend recently, and they talked about how they would go out into the yard after a, new, a fresh snow, get a bowl of snow, put in it like a cup of sugar, and then put in like a half a cup of milk, put in a little vanilla, and then stir it up good. She talked about how good that is. Um, I've never been brave enough to try that. I made, I used to make homemade ice cream when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one of those tubs that you used to grind. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's quite interesting. You, you don't like ice cream. Nope. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> uh, that's all right. In school news this week, there was actually last week, January 27th at 1230 there was a, a call meeting to order and a roll call for an agenda for a special meeting of the Jessup Board of Education. Then they closed session to conduct, conduct middle school principal candidate interviews as allowed by Iowa Code Section 21.5I. Um, then they re- returned to open session and adjourned as they hunt for the next middle school principal to... Uh, Take over for retiring Principal Lisa Losher. Also on Jessup News, or the Jessup School News, from the City Rec Department, Brock sent us, We have had another great Sunday night of adult pickleball. I anticipate even more people to participate each week based on the results of the football games recently. If you're unsure about playing, I would really recommend coming next Sunday evening at 6.30 and trying it out. We've had a very fun and laid-back group with a wide range of experience. 
We will be off to the Super Bowl and then get going again. We also rotate often so you get to play people of all ages and abilities. If you don't have a partner, just show up and we will pair you up. Contact Brock Sabres at bsabres at jessupk12.ia.us with any questions. The 3rd through 6th grade girls basketball players finished up in the Wapsie League this past weekend. Some of the teams are continuing to play and are participating in area tournaments as well. The 3rd through 6th grade boys are competing in J-League here in Jessup on Sundays and are having a lot of success. Each team is also having active tournament play throughout the area. The 5th graders recently competed in Cedar Falls and finished in second place with wins over Dubuque Senior and Waverly before losing in the finals to Dubuque Hempstead. After n- another successful home tournament on January 14th, the archery competed uh, at Dyke on January 21st. Each group continued to have a lot of success. Registration for first through sixth grade baseball and softball will open very soon. Summer ball registrations for our younger students will open later on. We will also be hosting a, a one to two grade youth basketball clinic on Saturday, March 4th. More information to come soon. For those of you that don't know how our rec program works, our rec program is run through the school, and Brock Sabres is our recreation director there, our rec director. The community gives $2,500 quarterly to that program. Um, Most towns have a city rec program, like Independence, Fairbank, but ours is run through the school. The next order of business, Blake and, and another question, give you a chance to think about it. And this is not something that people think about it, but it is, uh, it's an in- interesting question. What is the best month of the year for you, your favorite month of the year? Let me throw some months at you, Blake, and give you a chance to bloviate again. One is April as the, the small mouse start to bite in the wops. Yeah, I like to to fish the Wapsie in April um, as the river is finally open. In May and early April, or late April, the the mushrooms are out and the morel mushrooms can be found and I love to have the morel mushrooms in my fried potatoes. I love the month of June in Iowa as everything is so green and just getting going. You know, the, the corn fields are short, the bean fields are short, the you can look look for miles across Iowa in the month of June. Plus, it's starting to get warm. November, I used to love November as basketball. Got it started in early November. For girls, basketball was the, uh, the start of the second week of November. For boys, it was the start of the third week in November. So I love November. Everybody loves Christmas and December and Christmas break. A lot of people anymore have fallen in love with September and October of the year. In the fall of the year, it's beauty. The bugs start to go away and people enjoy college football and high school football. The smell of bonfires and and leaves burning. My favorite month of the year is probably June. So uh, so what would you say, Blake? I got some similar opinions. June is an obvious one. For one, for me, June is when my birthday is. So obviously that's a important time of the year, every year. Alongside that, though, like you said, 
Summer's just getting started, in my opinion. Mid to late June is kind of the peak of summer where you're getting the best without it being too crazy. Plus, I mean, it's the summer. It's a lot more free. You don't have to worry about certain things during summertime, and it's kind of just your time to relax, and I feel just everything about June kind of brings that in perfectly. The days get longer. You have more more light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets so dark, dark early now. And I know it's crazy. Yeah. You'll be out at five o'clock and think it's ten thirty. Yeah. A couple other honorable mentions, which you also mentioned, September, October. I've become the. I've started to fall in love with just because of the beauty of colors changing and all that. Um, when I did my senior pictures last year, we made sure to take those, and I think it was late September because that's something I really wanted to include, and especially areas like River Road Boulevard. When you go around the curve there and you go down a little ways, there's that just straight shot. And when the trees turn down there, I'm sure you've seen it, but yeah. it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's really pretty. If you get a, especially if it's a year where they all change right at around the same time. Mm-hmm. I've that place is that, that's all it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is magical. Some upcoming events for the Steve Brown Arts Center. Another music podcast should should come out. Chet Reagan and Mandy McClurry were in la- this last Monday, and Blake put one in the can for us to uh, release later this week. Chet and and Mandy play my kind of music, um, and even played one uh, one of uh, Blake's favorite songs that night. So. So you'll enjoy that. We are uh, working at Jessup's Story Corps tentatively. Um, I had, I had a, one of the one of the uh, main supporters of the Steve Brown Arts Center asked me how that was coming, and it, that is coming famously. We uh, we received some very good news that hopefully in the next month or so I can uh, share with you about the about the Story Corps. Don't forget that in February, February 25th, Barb Prawl is going to be at Cowork 591 on uh, on that Saturday from 2 to 4. Barb is an incredible artist from Marion. She's 90 years old and still produces a piece of art every day and teaches five days a week beside. Puts her own art in in frames. Has a, does her own framing. Does the woodwork herself. In March, we have uh, the Jazz Festival at Union High School. That's March 28th. And as I talked about earlier, the Littleton Free Watermelon Day is coming in July. We are going to have a garden walk in July. There's, there's many events coming to Jessup and Buchanan County Thanks to many of our supporters and the Steve Brown Arts Center. Keep your eyes and ears open, please. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest. City news, uh, because of the five weeks in January, there is no city council meeting this coming week. It's the rare two-week break for our city council members and we need to thank our city council members as they, they do so much for our community and do a tough job. Those of you on boards of any kind know how tough that job is. So thanks to, to them. Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists 
Young and old alike to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to the neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide the opportunities for community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Don't forget we have a website. It's the stevebrownartcenter.org. Go to that. We have much information on there. That's run that was set up by Rosalie Higgins, uh, last year's graduate from Jessup High School, and it's maintained by Kara Masteller, one of our board members. We are on the Steve Brown Arts Center Facebook page. We are on the Steve Brown Arts Center Twitter page as well. And we, uh, we are about to come out with another social media page that I will have for you next week. If you'd like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center or have an idea for an event, Go to stevebrownartcenter.org and follow the link. Or if you have news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Many people have asked, well, well, Jim, why don't you have more news? There's a couple of reasons I'd like to, or ways I'd like to answer this, and that's a good question. We are trying to fill in for the newspaper um, that did such a wonderful job for our community for middle years, many years. Kim, Kim was remarkable. But that's not why the Steve Brown Arts Center started. Is not to be a a uh, news a news outlet. Um, we are trying to get out some of that news, but we don't run around the community looking for news. If you have news, share it with us, and we will gladly share it as we as we do with the library, with City Hall, with with uh, Cowork 591. We, we'd be proud to talk about that news. We try to have interviews this week this week um, because of the time we're in, or we are doing our podcast. We're doing it during the day. The person we were supposed to interview had to work during the day, um, but we've had many people on, and we want to continue to have artists like Cameron Homa and people like Zach Knudsen on our podcast. We'd like to have city council members come on and talk to us. Perhaps someday we will gather the city council members around this table, Blake, and talk to them all. That would be our pleasure and give them a chance to share their dreams. We would like to have Chris even a mayor in, and we will have Chris in someday. He is, he has promised, he's told me that he will be on the show, and John Klotzbeck had a great article on Chris in the Independence paper this past week, if you, if you didn't see that. So if you have news that you want shared on our podcast, please contact me again at my email address, that's jglsbgolf at gmail.com, or call me at 319-290-0241 and leave a message. 
um, and we will gladly share it. We also want to make this an outlet for artists in our community. As always, I need to thank Blake Tempest, um, probably the but one of the better producers of art podcasts on the podcast networks. Tony Lang and Kelly Cihas at Cowork 59 Studio 591 Studios. I want to thank our board members for all they do for us. And I want to thank you, our listeners, as we continue to uh, grow our listenership. This is Jim Gillespie. Remember, each day is about little victories.